I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. My guest today is a full-time software developer and indie hacker with a background in the trades and music. After leaving music school, he spent six years working in the trades before switching into software engineering full-time. He currently works at a boutique consulting firm at his day job and builds software on the side to help developers level up and earn money from their knowledge. Indie Hacker just is pretty much like the name for like independent software developers who are building things like to try to achieve like financial freedom or time freedom like on their off time. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. His name is Kenneth Castle. Kenneth, welcome to We Belong Here. Hey, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to be chatting with you today. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Yeah, so I I guess the beginning would be after high school and going into (laughs) uh, music school. So in high school, I, I played in high school band. I played the saxophone and I was really into it. And I ended up going to college for music education. I At that time, I thought my dream job would be in a high school band director. And I, yeah, so I, so I spent two years in uh, music school. And kind of over the course of that, I discovered that the lifestyle of a high school band director wasn't necessarily one that I wanted for myself. So like, it, it seems like a really cool field, but it's it has a problem that a lot of passion fields have where the competition is extremely high and the pay is relatively low for like the time you put sure. in. And yeah. the, the- it's probably good to realize it before then diving into it, though. You know, it's like probably a blessing to have discovered that you were not going to pursue it once you were the teacher or, you know, in front of the classroom. Right, for sure. I actually have a friend that's a band director right now that uh, is interested in learning to program. And I know a couple other <laughs> band directors who've left the field to become programmers. So, so yeah, oh you know, it was kind of a blessing that I learned. Come to the dark side. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. And so I imagine you had a really good experience in high school band yourself. Yeah, high school band was fantastic. It was, it was kind of transformative for me because it's kind of where I learned that talent is overrated in a way that it's more about like, you know, consistent, deliberate practice and that kind of thing versus, you know, being born with some kind of innate talent. I was uh, a pretty bad music student coming into high school and I was lucky enough to get paired up with a fantastic private instructor. And by the time I graduated high school or my senior year of high school, I placed like in the top 20 in the state. So I, I went from being like one of the worst, like in my local high school to being like one of the best high school students in the state. And it was through practice, like, you know, there's people around me that had like more, I guess, like natural talent, but they didn't necessarily work at their craft as hard. And I think that's been, you know, enormous for me, like in my software career, for sure. Yeah. To know that, you know, time, repetition, um, energy and effort like that all does pay off and it's worth it to dedicate yourself to something is a great lesson to learn early. That makes sense to me. What then happened after you decided you didn't want to pursue that particular career? Yeah. So the the kind of inflection point was uh, when I was in college, I was working this part-time job at a gas station. Uh, I live okay. in Texas, and there's a fairly popular gas station called Quick Trip over here. It's a uh, mm-hmm. regional gas station. Like it has kind of like a cult following 
people like really love it. Um, How does a gas station get a cult following? (laughs) I I don't know. It's crazy. You know, people are very into it, but they're, they're a company that treats their employees like really well and they pay above average Um, and their store, their store managers make like 80,000 a year starting off. And so I was a, uh, a clerk and I was working, you know, part-time sweeping floors and that kind of stuff while mm-hmm. going to music school. And they offered me a promotion to be like a night assistant manager. And so mm-hmm. I, I took that promotion and that it was it was kind of eye-opening to me because of that promotion, I was getting paid more in that position than I would have gotten paid as a high school band director. What so, you were going to school for. Yeah, wow, that, that will play with your head a little bit, right. I imagine. <laughs> right, and it was like a fairly unpopular decision, like with my friend group and my family and stuff like that. Oh. I, you know, you know, uh, I'm I'm quitting music school. I'm going to go work as a night assistant at a at a gas station, and so the oh pay was like around forty five thousand a year. But you know, I was ecstatic. It it, it seemed like mm-hmm. a good choice for me because I knew I didn't really want to do the music thing, and mm-hmm. I didn't. I knew I didn't want to like work at a gas station forever either. But it was just like a, another step, something you know to kind of get me along the path and provide a little more like financial freedom. So I, I did that. And then shortly after that, maybe three, probably three to six months after I became a night, night assistant at the gas station, I actually transitioned into the maintenance department. Um, and I had a little background in that. My dad's an electrician and I worked in the summers helping him, you know, doing electrical work. And so I got into a maintenance department and I spent six years there. So I did everything from fixing toilets to repairing submersible gas systems, repairing gas dispensers, coolers, walk-in freezers, hot dog grills, pretty much anything and everything that could break. I would work on. You fixed it. I love that. That's so cool. I'm so envious of that skill. Uh, I would love to know more about all of that. I'm a recent home buyer and hate having to call someone out, you know, bring someone in anytime something breaks. So I wish I was more handy, but okay. So that, that sounds like that was like a good gig for you. What then, where did the coding and interest in tech, like were you, had you always been kind of curious about it? Was it a passion growing up and then decided to make the switch? Like walk me through that part. Yeah, that's kind of like a funny story. So, so things were going good at Quick Trip in the trades at first, the first couple of years, but I, mm-hmm. I quickly kind of found out that I, it wasn't really life for me. Like at that time, I already had my first son and I was working like upwards of 50 hours a week. I mm-hmm. worked weekends, I worked overnights, I had like random days off, mm-hmm. I had to work holidays, on call. Sure. And so just that kind of like lifestyle. And so I kind of kept my eyes open and I was looking to maybe go back to school for some kind of engineering. I had no interest in programming. I really never heard about it or anything. And I I kind of accidentally got into it. And so the way I got into it was I've always been into doing these like do-it-yourself projects, like building things, like building furniture, like electronic projects and stuff like that. Um, And so I saw on Reddit, people were building, um, have you ever heard of a kegerator? Oh, yeah, sure. I have a lot of friends in the beer <laughs> industry and we, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, people were building these cool kegerators and I saw one where a guy had built one with like a display that showed how much ah, beer was left so in it. So a smart kegerator, okay. Yeah, and so he used a Raspberry Pi and I guess maybe like yep. through some like hubris on my end, I was like, well, I'll just, that, that's cool. <laughs> I want to do that. And so I'll make that. I just bought <laughs> I a it. Raspberry Pi and I didn't know anything about programming or coding or anything. And I, I didn't even know enough to know that, you know, trying to tackle that project would involve like programming. So 
I Good for it. you. I think that's great. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so IOT was your entrance to things. I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun. That's a great, yeah, that's a, I mean, let passion drive, you know, you, what you learn. I think that that's a great way to tackle things actually, because then you're curious about it. You want to build it. And that kind of like motivates it along. That's super fair. Okay. Were you successful in building the smart kegerator? Oh, no. I, I always tell people I got distracted and ended up with a software engineering job instead. So I, I haven't built it yet. Um, but probably one day I'll get around to it. We got to make that happen. That's yeah. hilarious. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that then just was kind of like the catalyst to teaching yourself and discovering what programming was in general? Yeah, so uh, so I got the Raspberry Pi in the mail, and then I I learned about I went on Raspberry Pi subreddit, and people kept talking about Python. Mm-hmm. So I started learning Python mm-hmm. online. I ended up really liking it and getting distracted and starting to build like web apps and stuff like that. And yeah, at that point, I kind of figured out that hey, maybe I could go back to school for computer science. Like this mm-hmm. this is a viable career. I started seeing like the salaries and people talking about the work life balance, and also I really enjoyed sure. it. And so I ended up going back to school. So I talked to my bosses at work. We worked out a schedule where I could work full time and go to school part time. So I would work at 5 a.m. at my trade job, get off at two or three, depending on the day, and then go to class in the evening. And then after work, you know, do homework and then you know, repeat. And mm. I did that for a few years. And uh, how did you go about f- uh, picking the program that you did? So, yeah. So I just went back to the college that I was previously going to. Um, so I'd already, f- oh, perfect, yeah. Perfect. So I'd already finished like two years worth of college and I had some credits. Yeah. So I ended up going back. And, and the, the funny part nice. is I never finished still, but I, I guess we'll get to that part of the story a little bit later. But I, <laughs> Okay. I, I think it was it was an interesting experience and that was really transformative for me. And I, I think that, you know, most people don't, I, I don't think a college degree is ne- necessary, but the main thing I got from college was like the, a group of people and not like in the sense of people always talk about, like you get a network in college and like you meet people from companies, but I just got in this group with like five or six like really talented software developers mm-hmm. that were part of this uh, programming club on campus. And I think they really kind of changed my trajectory. And I still work with a couple of them actually at my current job. So so that's pretty cool too. Yeah, the power of community, right? I mean, that it's a, it's everything, especially when you're learning and, and can, you know, talk about the problems that you're facing in your code collaboratively and hear how others approach might approach a problem or in kind of learn about different solutions that way can be just, you know, pivotal in that time. So definitely good advice for folks that are listening. So what then came next? Did you start looking for roles as a software developer, essentially? Yeah. So basically what happened is I started going back to school for software development and I started looking for internships. I heard, you know, they paid fairly mm-hmm. well. And I actually ended up mm-hmm. uh, getting one after my first year, but I, I turned it down because my full-time job in the trades came with benefits. I had a work truck and insurance mm-hmm. And they paid pretty well. I think I've probably made somewhere between like sixty-five and eighty thousand a year every year I worked in the trades. So I, I couldn't really afford to like leave and go do a software internship that wouldn't you know continue on. So I I felt almost sure. stuck, you know, because I really wanted to finish school. It was taking a long time. I felt like my programming mm-hmm. skills were progressing like faster than, you know, say some of the other people like in my grade level. But yeah, you know, I started looking for these internships. And another thing I started doing like intentionally was going to hackathons and like trying to beef up my resume. And so that was incredibly helpful 
too, um, with that with that group of friends that I mentioned earlier, we went to hackathons mm-hmm, and definitely. the first one I went with them, I kind of rode their coattails and we won second place at uh, Hack Texas in Austin. And that was like a really cool like bump and like gave me confidence mm-hmm. and stuff. And it just uh, kind of was like a good start, you know? Awesome. And so I kept doing... Absolutely. It gives you like, it adds to your, you know, you have suddenly repos that you can talk about during interviews and it differentiates your portfolio from your classmates too. It's just like, it's so much fodder than for conversation when you are, you know, trying to chat with recruiters and whatnot too, I bet. Right. Yeah. And when you're like a non-traditional student or you're going like the non-traditional path, like you have to find some way to stand out from, you know, like yep. the college grads. Absolutely. and stuff. So I feel like that was a, a enormous help for me. Yeah. It's a good tip. Hackathons, folks, look into them, get involved. And that, you know, online hackathons, even throughout COVID are definitely prevalent. So it's a, a really good idea uh, to participate. And it, it is like very vulnerable making. It can be very terrifying, but that's a good advice too, to like have a group of friends maybe and go do it. And that'll kind of help, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Lifts alleviate some of the nervousness that you might feel. Right, for sure. And a big part of uh, hackathons too is that it's some of it's kind of like performance based. So, like, you have to do a presentation and talk about your project, and your project doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily even have to be real. Like, I've seen people win hackathons that. (laughs) Yeah. didn't even program the thing they just made a so you just have to kind of like use whatever strengths you have and you know even if you are starting off in your programming journey or whatever like i th- still think it's very useful to uh, look into hackathons and start participating with them for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. i love that okay so so you had some projects under your belt and you were able to talk about those then hello we belong here listeners Today's episode is sponsored by the new We Belong Here Discord community. I recently have been thinking about ways to continue the conversation with guests after each episode, to foster our community, share resources, and stay connected to both the guests and listeners. And I'm excited because we've created a We Belong Here Discord server. What is Discord, you might be asking? Well, it's a voice, video, and text communication service to talk and hang out with your friends and communities. I know, neat, right? It will be a place for us to connect, share resources, mentor, and build community together. Everyone is welcome, and it promises to be an incredibly inclusive space. It's important to me that everyone has an inclusive community where everyone feels welcome and supported. And this could be yours. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in joining, please do. The link to join is bit.ly slash we belong discord. That's bit.ly forward slash we belong discord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Or find a link in my bio on Twitter or Instagram at Lolo Coding. I'm super excited to see you there. Did you end up finding an internship that you wanted to take or no? So, yeah, I, I ended up finding an internship that I ultimately took, but uh, it was kind of like in a winding way. So I I uh, was really wanting to quit. I was about two years into my computer science studies, and I guess I was like in my junior year of classes by this point. And I, and I was getting really tired of working full time and going to class, and it was getting to be a struggle as I got into more difficult classes. And I heard about the salary potential like in the FANG companies. And so I thought, well, I can afford to go take an internship yeah. there and work for, you know, 
three, four months, or maybe I can get like a six month internship and Mm -hmm. then I could just go back to school and I'm done. But they pay so well that, you know, that would have worked out financially for me. So I started applying and I got an internship interview at Facebook and I bombed Mm -hmm. it. I did really bad. (laughs) But uh, before I bombed it, I was looking for places to practice my interviewing skills. And I was in a local development Slack group for the DFW area. (laughs) And they happened to have like a mock interview uh, night. So I I ended up going after work and after school, I was exhausted, but I, you know, I drove over there and I participated Mm. and I met this guy, David. And David's my boss now. He's uh, one of the owners of the uh, boutique consulting shop that I work on. And, uh, you know, he saw my resume and we did a mock interview and I I wasn't looking for a job there at, like at all so there was like no pressure so I think that part kind of helped out too yeah that's good advice you're like sorry man I'm talking about Facebook Apple I've got my eyes on the big do- big dog <laughs> right right <laughs> but I'll do the practice mock interview with you sure right <laughs> it's like yes I want you I love that yeah so it was cool we interviewed and then he offered me a more like hybrid software hardware role the next day so oh. he said hey you know we have this IoT project. Would you be interested in it? I like your experience, like doing maintenance at the gas station combined with software. And they had like a, an ice machine sensor that would tell the ice delivery drivers like when to come like refill these ice machines. And he wanted me to like install them, but also work on the software. And I turned it down because I, I really wanted to get in a software only role. I wanted to get out of what I was doing. Mm. And, uh, but we stayed in touch, you mm-hmm. know, we stayed in touch on LinkedIn and I kept going to hackathons and I was at a hackathon with my friends, uh, and he messaged me cause I was posting on LinkedIn actively about like, you know, winning these hackathons and participating. And he had a client mm-hmm. who wanted to do this like machine learning proof of concept. They want basically wanted to like explore a couple different machine learning topics like chatbots and stuff like that. So and me and my hackathon group had just completed a hackathon where we built like this little chatbot system. And he he offered to hire all of us in our hackathon group. And we were very skeptical. We were like, and he didn't even want to like interview the other folks. He just said, uh, you know, I have this project. I want the team. Yeah. He's like, I want to hire you guys. And uh, so long story short, like he hires four of us and we went and worked for him. And oh, wow. It, you really did yeah. it. I love it. So it, it was pretty, I felt like it was pretty risky at the time too. Cause you know, I had this job, I had insurance um, at this. And then at that time I started getting serious with my girlfriend now and she had a daughter. So together we had two kids and, you know, I was just kind of really nervous to leave because it took the yeah. leap. Oh my gosh. Of course. That's so relatable. And yeah, I mean, terrifying. It's a brand new space too. Oh my gosh. Wow. But what a cool thing to be able to go with your hackathon teammates and <laughs> kind of do it all together. That's so, I've never heard of something like that. I love yeah, that. Yeah. It's a pretty unique story. And I still work, uh, two of them still work here with me full time. And the other one ended up leaving after I think six months or about a year. She ended up moving to California, but the other two still work here. And the interesting thing is they're both brothers, the other two. That's an interesting thing. And and the of older brother... <laughs> Sounds like a great TV show. Like, I would watch this. I'm into it. 
<laughs> yeah, I love telling people the story. It's so like winding and interesting. No, it's and, great. It's great. And uh, the 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 older brother actually wasn't even have a back, a programming background either. He he was getting his master's in architecture, but he started learning mm. programming because his younger brother was learning it, and yeah. he started going to these hackathons with us. But he got hired on as a programmer without. Uh, a programming background too and he's been killing it he's uh you know one of the one of the best people so that's great have y'all stayed on the same project in the time that you've been there or would you kind of like rotate to different stuff or how's that work yeah so we've kind of split up and been on the same projects depending on you know what we've done so we did that proof of concept for about first six months and that was really cool. We worked together mm-hmm. as a team. And then after that, the older brother, Christian, he ended up getting in more into a project manager role, um, working with other clients. And then we split up for a while and I worked on some client some client work with other members at my company. But recently we're back on the same team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually just launched a, a somewhat, so my company is like internal startup incubator. And so the the brothers made this like educational app for kids uh, okay, from cool. underrepresented backgrounds. And so I got to work on that with them. So that was really cool. I spent probably about four months this year working on that with them. And so it was really cool building something new, launching it, trying to market it and that kind of stuff. Mm, so that sounds great. Yeah. Seeing it full from idea to, you know, market and, and for it to be a cool product, that is always like a really fun icing on the cake. If it can be something you're also like, oh, this is making the world a better place. Like, wow, this is incredible. Right, for sure. Wow. Well, it sounds like you've ended up in a really, really neat place. I know that that's not all that you do though. And you also identify as an indie hacker. I really want to know more about that title. Yeah, for sure. So Indie Hacker just is pretty much like the name for like independent software developers who are building things like to try to achieve like financial freedom or time freedom, like on their off time. So a lot of times it's, you know, developers with full time jobs and, you know, they wake up really early or they stay up late or they hack on a project on the weekend Mm -hmm. and they build stuff. So I've been doing that since I started learning programming like four or five years ago. And, uh, and just recently, I've finally hit some like minor success with it. So it's been, you know, very, very cool. It's been cool. A, a, so, a great feeling for so sure. So it's essentially you have always had a side hustle or a side project going on. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. So what is the one that you're, tell me about some that you um, are passionate about. Yeah. So the, the most recent one that had some success uh, is a online interactive web-based tool to learn the uh, Vim. Are you familiar with Vim? Nice. I'll explain to the audience. Yeah. So Vim is basically like a text editing tool that you can use if you're a programmer. It has different key bindings and it, uh, if you learn it, it helps you like edit your code and navigate around your code faster. You can use it like in mm-hmm. your code editors, like VS Code and that kind of stuff. But I started learning it about a year ago and I thought that the learning tools out there for it were kind of boring and kind of like not very interesting and they weren't very like beginner friendly either so it it has this like stereotype of having like a really high learning curve and it it really did Mm. and and I thought there could be like a better like interactive way of learning it so I built this uh, web app that lets you practice with these like game-like exercises so I launched that two weeks ago and it's been doing pretty well I've made $5,000 $5,000 in the last two weeks, which is pretty crazy. Great. Congratulations. And it's a great product too. I mean, gamifying any sort of learning can be, you know, super successful, but that's also sounds like there was definitely a need for it. So good on you for noticing and then building it. Yeah, that's for awesome. sure. And, and 
in in launching it, I kind of had this epiphany that, you know, a lot of programmers are out here that and they have like this hidden knowledge or they have something they could teach. And I've only been using Vim for about a year, but despite that, I was able to make something useful that mm. people are happily paying for that has good reviews. And I want to make that more accessible for other people. So I started working on a new project. Um, it's called Slip. And Slip is basically a way to launch these types of interactive courses and sell them directly to your audience. And so it's a tool that helps developers make interactive programming courses. So great. I mean, I think that that's a really cool idea. And as you say, you don't need to necessarily be an expert to create content such like that. And I think it's easy to get overwhelmed or think, oh, I'm not the person that should be the person creating that sort of course, but is a great reminder that, no, if you know something well, you absolutely can teach it. And heck, it's going to make you understand it a whole lot better too once you start trying to switch it and teach it to someone else. So I think that's a really cool project. I, I love it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And I, I think also, like you said, I, I like the aspect of learning by teaching. I think that's cool. And I, mm-hmm. I also really like the aspect of like helping developers like have a better financial life. Like for me, you know, yeah. as I progressed through my career from music into the trades and into software, like my life's mm-hmm. gotten progressively better. I've had, you know, mm-hmm. more money to do things like with my kids that I never got to do growing up and, you know, things sure. like trying to achieve financial freedom. And like the next step for me is I want to achieve, you know, time freedom as well. You know, I, I don't really yeah. necessarily want to work for somebody forever. And I'd like more time mm-hmm. to spend with my kids. So I think if I can, you know, help other developers kind of achieve that dream or like, you know, make steps in that right direction, I think it's like, you know, something yeah. useful. Uh, yeah, it's your way of paying it forward. And I think that that is really neat. I think that's, yeah, very, very cool of you. Okay, so bringing us back and like reflecting on things, what would you say kept you from entering the tech industry you know, before you did. It's funny because like when you're working blue collar and I, I always want to like caution other people like in the industry to like not look mm-hmm. down on blue collar people because I feel like when I work blue collar, people would just generally treat me like I was dumb. So then, you know, like when you're treated like that every day, it's you're like, well, could I even be a software engineer or like maybe I need someone's permission. That's another big part of it too is when I was looking for jobs, like when I was in school, Uh, Some classmates told me, like, you can't get a job, like, while you're going to school. Like, who's going to hire a college student to do software engineering? Like, but you don't need permission Mm -hmm. from anyone. Like, if you have the skills, if you have the potential, like, don't let someone else tell you what you can or can't do. I think that that was a powerful realization for me as well. How would you say, you know, the lessons that you learned while working in the trades have sort of helped you today? in your role as a, as a software engineer? Oh, I love that question. I think they've helped immensely. So like when, when you're working like in the trades, like a big part of your job is just troubleshooting. So you, you know, arrive mm. and you're, you have to fix some kind of piece of equipment, but you have to like go through this troubleshooting process, which is pretty similar to programming. So, you know, you, you figure out if the issue is still occurring, if it's an intermittent issue, you have to take into account like what you know about the system and how it interacts and like mm-hmm. what could you know potentially cause that issue. You have to know how to like affect change on a system and you know see and 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 do and take actions that you know help you narrow down like the scope of what could be causing the issue. So sure. I think you know working in the trades like really helped my troubleshooting skills like immensely, and I think that's been a powerful mm-hmm. tool for me. And 
software engineering for sure. And I imagine also, though, once you were able to recognize that uh, parallel almost and how that was going to help you in the industry, you know, explaining that in job interviews or even when you were chatting with your now employer, you know, just help them realize like, oh, my gosh, what an asset you will be to this company. You know, that's not necessarily something someone who takes maybe a more traditional path would have had to develop maybe. And so, yeah, it just really kind of like diversified you as a candidate, I bet, uh, which is, you know, always a good thing too. Yeah. It sounds like an incredible asset to any company you're going to be at or hopefully one day self-employed also. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was very powerful and uh, I think it helped me out in my interview. And I, and I see a lot of parallels from, you know, other people from different non-traditional routes, you know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of times they have some skill that ha- just helps them so much, like in software engineering, that's not necessarily like the same skill that you would get from, you know, going to college and taking the yeah. traditional path. So it's really cool. Like the company I work at, we have like, people from all kinds of different backgrounds, some boot camp people, some people from college, some people with no degree at all like me. Mm. And uh, it's really cool, you know, seeing like how the different things that people from different backgrounds bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I really love your show. I love hearing, you know, people's different stories and hearing like all the cool and interesting ways that, you know, they got into tech and the things that they bring with them. For me, it's just such a fun thing to celebrate, you know, and, and to shout it from the mountaintops, if you will. But I think it also is really cool to hear about companies like yours that values that. And I think it's really fun when we hear about folks that are, you know, trying to learn to code and in that beginning stage of their journey to share that knowledge with them. Like there are places that really want and value candidates from all sorts of backgrounds and are not going to close the door on you because you don't have an XYZ on your resume. And so I think that's so important too, to make sure that we really highlight those you know, job opportunities so that that's where people end up because it can be super toxic if you're only interviewing at places that are like, no, 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 you're not for us. Right, right. For sure. Okay. So do you have any advice for those that are wanting to transition into tech that you could share? Yeah, I guess my biggest piece of advice would be to not wait for permission to do things. Like if you feel like you're ready to apply for a job, like just go do it or mm-hmm. if pe- or even if you don't feel ready, but people around you are encouraging you. I think that's another sign that you should do it. I think a lot of people mm. wait for like to check off some boxes before they can, they think they have permission to go actually find a job. So they think, you know, maybe I need to complete this boot camp, mm-hmm. or maybe I need these five certifications or maybe I should get the degree first. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like you don't really necessarily need those things. And if you have the skills, like I I love that, you know, software is uh, a field where, you know, if you have the skills and you find the right company that you can get in. And so I I think, you know, if you wait for permission, you might end up holding yourself back. And what great experience it is to interview too. Yes, it can be tough and, you know, obviously exhausting to face rejection. I have been there and I know it well, but it also, you learn a lot in that process too. And so it almost becomes a muscle that you can develop also like in the interviewing habits too. So I think that's really thoughtful advice. And yeah, I I hope listeners take it. Okay. So I have recently been adding some rapid fire questions into the end of episodes. Uh, Can I, can I toss a few at you? Yeah, sure. Go for it. What is your favorite app on your phone? Oh, brain.fm. If you're familiar with lo-fi beats, like, you know, you're coding, you're watching like the YouTube lo-fi beats. It's like that, but it has lo-fi beats from different genres. So it's like, 
really it's it's a it's music oh focus me yeah okay, i'm downloading right now i, I love, love it. it okay i'm getting it right now <laughs> what's your favorite tech stack favorite tech stack is my current tech stack i feel like i'm very proficient and pretty fast with it so uh the back end okay. is fast api it's a python back end yeah. who i'm actually able to sponsor them on github now through the money i've made on the vim product which is really cool uh so amazing yeah so fast api back end and then yeah. react for the front end with tailwind how would you identify or would you say your style of learning is i would say my style of learning is just jumping into it um, so I just you know jump into a problem <laughs> and figure like it. it out uh, so mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. kind of my style for sure I see a kegerator I want to build it I'm going to try right. I yeah. like it <laughs> if you could go back and tell yourself some bit of wisdom when would you pick and what would you say I would say don't wait for permission. Uh, I think I could have honestly gotten <laughs> yeah. a job in the tech field probably about a year earlier. But, you know, I was kind of waiting, waiting for someone to tell me that it was okay. And finally, I just realized, you know, I needed, you know, shoot my shot and get out there. Sure. So That's super fair. What is a good book you've read recently? Atomic Habits by James Clear. I think that's a fantastic book and that um, if you're trying to get better at some skill that you should read it. I absolutely will include all of the things you've referenced, by the way, in the show notes. But okay, Kenneth, make your shout out. What would you like the listeners to go check out? Uh, Yeah, I would love it if you guys could check out my new project, Slip. It's at slip.so. Um, it's in uh, pre-release right now, so it's not out, but it should be out in the next couple cool. weeks. And so who's your target demo for that? So someone who, you know, kind of feels like they have a they know something well and then are curious to turn that into curriculum? Yeah, pretty much. You know, if you know any kind of like programming topic and you wanted to teach it, um, especially around like language fundamentals or like algorithms mm, or okay. anything like that. So right now the platform's, you know, pretty early stage, but it it, it offers like mm-hmm. online code execution in Python and JavaScript. So if you want to teach anything oh, cool. about like JavaScript methods or like quirks of JavaScript mm-hmm. or anything like that, those would be possible on the platform. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I can think of a couple of people that would be really great for. I will send them your way. Where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter. So I'm pretty active on there. I've been building in public on there. I just kind of talk about, you know, the different things I do for my projects and products and stuff like that. So that's probably the best place. Uh, You know, feel free to DM me if you want to chat about anything music or trades or learning related. I love it. Well, thank you for being a resource for the community, but then also sharing your story. It was so fun learning about it. And I know the listeners will greatly benefit from hearing all the advice and everything you've been able to share with us today. So thank you so much again. And yeah, I really, really appreciate chatting with you today. Yeah, it was great. Thank you, Lauren. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.